Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster and a writer for Fresh Take Hub. For the first time on this new reorganization of the show, my fellow co-host, Tom Gapper. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Happy to be here. Looking forward to discussing all the news we have this week. And there is a fair bit of news we need to discuss, actually. But yes, uh, your comic book Shogun has returned from the depths of the WandaVision discussion post. He's overcome his pain and torment and is here now to help guide you through these next few eras of uh, comic book movies and comic books in general. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, really excited to bring you along the show. We just had such a great time discussing WandaVision with you. I was like, got to bring this guy on because we felt as if we needed to add more comics to the show we're doing rather than just talk about the movies that were inspired by the comics. So we think, you know, got to bring the comics more into this. So that's why Tom's now on board. And the sort of restructuring of the show is that we're going to be doing weekly new shows now rather than sort of every month. So giving you the latest and greatest on a weekly basis. And we're, Tom's also going to be giving his pull list at the end of the show. So that will be his top recommendations to pick up at your local comic book store, order online, or whatever you do these days. But before we get into all of that, but let's chat amongst ourselves. I mean, Tom, what have you been sort of reading, watching, getting up to the last sort of week? Still recovering from a one division finale? <laughs> yeah, I'm still recovering from that. Still have many questions that I need answers to, but um, I'll, I'll be patient and wait for those answers. Uh, mostly this week, I've been cracking on with my mammoth marathon of all the Marvel content. So all the MCU, pretty much all the TV shows, all the Marvel Netflix stuff. Uh, recently just watched uh, Doctor Strange, so that's where I'm at in the timeline right now. And I still maintain Doctor Strange is one of, if not the best, Marvel film, in my opinion. I've also been reading um, a bit more bit more of uh, the Marvel stuff post-Secret Wars, as I've been trying to uh, not so much catch up, but there was a period where kind of like my pull list like went right down, so I'm trying to like expand on like what I've missed out on. Uh, one of the highlights has been James Robinson's Cable Run, which has been an absolute delight. Um, I don't know if you might have shared some pictures from it in our group chat. Jake, I mean, it's great. I, I, pick, I, I recommend everyone pick up that series. If you want to see Vikings and Samurai fighting dinosaurs whilst two super powerful mutants duke it out, I mean, this is the, this is the series for you. It's got, it's got everything. I mean, that description alone is just pure comics right there. I know. Samurais <laughs> and Vikings and dinosaurs and throw in a cyborg from the future in there as well, a time-traveling cyborg. I mean, comics, man. Yeah, man, I mean, I haven't... This week, I've actually been quite lacking with reading stuff, which I'm, you know, tapping myself on the wrist for. I should be reading a bit more, but I have been getting into Batman 1966, the Adam West show. I've started that from the beginning, and man, it's just such a joy to watch that show. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just great fun. Like, obviously, there's some things in it that I'm like, oof, you know, this was definitely a product of its time. You know, there's some <laughs> Mr. Johnny, <laughs> some, uh, you know, remarks and stuff in there that definitely don't work in today. But, you know, if you if you look at it in that lens, like, this is a product of its time. It's just great, campy fun and you know i can totally see why it was such a big hit at the time because kids can enjoy it 
And the adults watching this are obviously going, this isn't real. The actors in it are not taking this seriously. So they can get enjoyment out of that as well. So, man, what a great show. And obviously, yeah, rest Cesar in peace. Romero's West. Joker is, yeah, Cesar, Cesar Romero's Joker is an absolute delight as well. And also you've got Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. I mean, considering as well, you were saying it's a product of its time. The fact that they had Eartha Kitt in as Catwoman, I mean, pretty big at the time. Huge. It was. like it, It's funny because they do have things of like that as product of its time, but they also have a lot of female empowerment, you know, sort of characters and stuff like that. Eartha Kitt is a great example. Uh, speaking of the villains, I have to give a shout out to Frank Caution as the Riddler. He's just so hilarious. I love his laugh as well. Like It's just... just hilarious and i can totally see why when they did batman forever jim carrey was like well looking at that and going oh well, i'm just gonna do my own version of that uh which at the time people were like well he's too kooky for the riddler he's more like a joker and i was like well did you have you did you see frank gorshin in 1966 like <laughs> yeah I, I thought jim carrey's riddler was was pretty good and yeah it's very reminiscent of that as well and uh well, I mean, if you're enjoying Batman 66, you'll be pleased to know they've continued it in comic book form. I have seen that, yeah. And they're doing the same for the the Keaton Batman film and the Christopher Reeve Superman film. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they also did a comic continuation of, like, the Linda Carter Wonder Woman as well. I'm sure that was a thing. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, though. Yeah. But yeah, like I do think it's quite cool that they have kind of continued on those like legacies in the form of comics. I mean, especially with the Keaton Batman, we might actually get to see a get to see a Robin alongside him. I don't think there was one in the Keaton films, wasn't there? No, there wasn't. He did. He no. didn't come in until um, Batman Forever. Yeah, we might get to see uh, Billy D. Williams as Two Face. Oh yeah, because it he was. Um, I yeah, swear, Billy. He was Harvey Dent, but he wasn't he also in the animated one they did recently? He might have been, actually. I don't know. You've been watching a lot of the animated stuff recently. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did, like, um, a, a versus Two-Face one. I can't remember, but the Two-Face was definitely the villain, but I don't know if Billy D. Williams came in to voice the character. I do know that Billy D. Williams came in to voice him in the Lego Batman movie, which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Lego Batman was just it was a treat <laughs> and also just like they they perfectly understood the Joker-Batman relationship in that film <laughs> it's just Joker wants Batman to admit they're best friends it's like you're my sworn enemy just tell me you hate me come on <laughs> oh it was so good uh, and it kind of it kind of says something doesn't it about Warner Brothers when Lego Batman is one of the best Batman films you've done in the last decade um but hey. Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photo. Let's go into the news then, because it is a lot of DC news, actually. Considering we haven't done the news in about a month's time, there's relatively not much news going on. I think all the focus naturally has been on the WandaVision finale, the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and obviously Zack Snyder's Justice League. So all like the major outlets are like, let's not drop major news because it... It just won't ring any bells amongst all the hype for these shows and stuff like that. However, there is some news to go by. And I think the the big news of the last few weeks is that J.J. Abrams and writer Tanahasi Coates are doing a Superman movie. I think one of the reasons 
JJ moved his bad robot production company to Warner Brothers with that big deal that they did last year is to get to play with the DC toys. Like we've already heard stories that he's developing Justice League Dark, Constantine, and now we've got Superman. So, but we don't, he's not directing. So far, JJ is just on as a producer. Tanahasi Coates will be writing the script. And if you're not familiar with Tanahasi Coates' work, for anyone listening, I recommend checking out, first of all, an essay he did called The Case for Reparations, which would then help inspire Damon Lindelof to make the Watchmen TV show. And for comic book fans, I would also recommend his run on Black Panther, which he reboot he rebooted the character in 2016, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Tom. it was spinning spinning out of Secret Wars. So as uh, 2015, 2016, you would have started on it. Uh, but yeah, it is honestly my favorite Black Panther run ever. And I love the character, and Tanahesi just just gets him. And just oh, the 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 story just states it's just everyone should read it. I think it's one of those comics. I think everyone should read it's just it's it's basically like game of thrones but in wakanda but also he throws in a lot of like you know because like a big thing about like wakanda is obviously there's a royal family ruling it there is like a parliament there that helps make decisions but like that was a big theme throughout his comic was is like the royalty even needed shouldn't the people have more of a say in how they governs more representation and that so it was kind of interesting to see that discussion like within the context of Wakanda, which, you know, traditionally has always been presented as just like this almost utopian place where no- nothing's wrong, everyone's happy. So, yeah, the fact he brought a bit more depth to it. I mean, not to say it's never had depth, but I, I don't know. Like I said, I feel Tana Hesse just really got the character, really understood the lore as well. And I loved the approach he took, that he took it to, like, space, and he made, like, a Wakandan galactic empire. I was like, whoa, this is nuts, but I was just loving everything about it. And um, uh, he's, I believe he's currently working on Captain America, is he not? Yeah, he has been doing a lot of work on Captain America. I think he first came onto it shortly after Secret Empire, so obviously when they were rebooting the whole character again after his Nazi turn. Yes, Captain America was briefly a Nazi to those who may not be familiar with the comics. I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> I think I think even people who weren't in the comics found out about that one. <laughs> well, yeah, because like the, the yeah, it was a meme for ages of Cap saying Hail Hydra. I remember seeing so many people get wound up over who I knew weren't comic book fans. So yeah, there was definitely some like crossover there. But yeah, he, he did a brilliant uh, Captain America run. Because, um, like, the, the run briefly, like, the first, like, arc or so after Secret Empire was kind of Captain America just traveling through the country, trying to make up for what his evil self did, or just trying to, like, reconcile the facts that people are looking at him differently now because of what his evil self did. It's just, like, a really powerful series. Also, Alex Ross did the covers, so. So yeah, uh, I recommend anyone just check out any of Tanahasi Coates' work, whether that be in comics or novels or essay he's done. He's just a fantastic writer, one of the best writers, I think, of uh, the modern era. And um, so I'm stoked that he's coming on board to write Superman. And according to sources, this isn't confirmed. There's nothing been come out by Warner Brothers or any of the creators involved. But it is rumored that the project is being positioned for it to be a black Superman. Now, there's two paths you can go with this. First is I think you can do you can do Kal-El. You can do the traditional, he lands in Kansas, he's Clark Kent, 
but he'll have dark skin. Then there's the Valzod version of it, where there's a version of the character in Earth 2, I believe, called Calvin Ellis. Tom, I go to you first. First of all, are you happy with this idea of the direction they're taking Superman? And if it were sort of you in the sort of writing room, which sort of direction would you go? I'm all for it, personally. I was, like, initially... uh, Let me preface what I mean. When I say I was concerned initially at the news, like, I personally wasn't concerned that, like, oh, my God, they're making Superman black now. I don't care, personally. But I was concerned that, obviously, like, you're going to see a lot of backlash towards it. And, sadly, there has been some backlash towards it. But I think it's, it's... Especially when, like, Warner Brothers feel like they keep saying that they don't know how to make Superman relevant to the modern era. I think this might be a, a good way of doing it, because obviously we've had, like, Black Lives Matter has been huge over the past few years. Like, we're starting to have real proper conversations about, like, racism and treating people differently, and, like, obviously the refugee crises that have been happening has also, like, helped fuel that discussion. So I think having a, a Superman who is an alien from another world, trying to make his way through living on Earth, and he's not a white man, I think it's slightly more compelling, personally. Because, obviously, like, Superman, as, you know, your typical white-bred, like, Kansas farm boy, he was never really going to have much trouble fitting in on Earth. But, um, if you're going down the route of... Like, I... Personally, they also, I should mention that Calvin Ellis and uh, Val Sod are actually two different characters. Sorry, that's uh, my bad. Yeah, yeah no, it's 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 kind of a, a bit of an easy mistake to make because uh, um, I often get confused. Uh, but Calvin Ellis was basically his real name was Cal El. Yeah, he's from um, some other corner of the multiverse. But basically, in this universe, not only has uh, well, basically, all the DC heroes are black. I think, like within this universe, the idea is that. Black people are the mo- more prominent population. So you've got like black version of Wonder Woman, black version of Green Lantern, black version of Superman, black version of Batman, and more interestingly, Calvin Ellis is the president of the United States within that universe. Uh, so he's part-time president, part-time Superman, and apparently no one has picked up on it yet. But that's just uh, that. So I'd be quite happy for them to go down that route. I think that could be quite interesting, but equally, I don't know, it might be a bit too soon to chuck that in, um, because if you are trying to go down the route of like making Superman more relevant, chucking him in the Oval Office, doesn't seem the route to go down, as interesting as it might be. But yeah, Valzod is, as you said, he is from Earth 2, and he is just... He's basically... Well, in his name, you can tell he's from the Zod clan, from Krypton. Uh, he is still related to, like, the Elves, but in Earth 2, I think he was the one to crash down to Earth, and, because uh, I think this was a New 52 thing. I've forgotten a lot of the New 52, I'll be honest. It was very forgettable for the most part. That's very, that's, uh, that's forgettable, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sure Falzard, uh wasn't the first Superman in his Earth, because I think uh, Kal-El was still the first Superman on that Earth, but then Falzard came along later, so that could also be interesting if they set it up that way so that there is a Clark Kent Superman that looks like people expect the characters to look like, but you're telling the story of Val Zod and maybe it's kind of like the first season of Supergirl where like you have brief mentions of uh, 
Clark Kent Superman, and maybe like a very brief like view of his boots or something. Um, but the story was all about Supergirl, so maybe in this one they could go down the route. Because then, I mean, I personally don't think they should do that. I think they should just go down the route of either Clark Kent is black in this one, or Valzod is the only Superman in this one. Because they could try, and, like I said, they could try and make people happy by like making the film about Valzod, but be like, ah, but Kal-El is still there, maybe giving hope for more Henry Cavill Superman. But no, I think... Uh, if they do want to go down the road of Superman being more relevant, just make it, just make Clark Kent black. I think it would be a very interesting story, and there's a lot of actors that I would like to kind of see in that role. I personally feel like these characters, any superhero characters, can be interpreted in many, many different ways. Like, I know a lot of people might be saying, what does this mean for Henry Cavill? And, you know, I'm in that camp as well. You know, I love Henry Cavill as Superman, and I would like to see another superman film with him in because i think he deserves one but from what i understand seems like he's done just from what we understand of where the snyder cut's going and stuff like that seems like his journey of superman seems to be over we already have two superman going right now we know we got henry cavill from justice league and we got tyler hoechlin on the cw with superman and lois so i think there's plenty of room of interpretations of this character now in regards to what i would do I think there's virtues to both of these takes. One of them pisses off people less, though, I think. Um, I think if you go, like, the Val Zod route, it does, I think, piss... doesn't piss off as many people. You can have him as his own standalone character, and there's definitely virtues for that. You know, there's a lot of people saying we need, want new characters rather than adapting mantles that we've seen before. So yeah, that would be really interesting to see a new character, learn about his backstory, his family, all that sort of uh, aspect of him. But personally, I'm more on the. F I'm more like you. I would like to see him. I would like to see a black cop Kent. And what does that story look like through a different prism? What does that story of an alien look like? What does the story of a of adoption look like in that in that scenario? You know, if the original Superman mythos is ultimately a commentary on being Jewish in America. Why couldn't it also be tweaked a little bit to being a commentary to being black in America? It's right there for the storytelling. And as you mentioned up top, you know, for ages we've been hearing that Warner Brothers doesn't know how to get a handle on Superman and make him relevant. And I thought, he's one of the most relevant superheroes there is. You know, he's a, an alien immigrant coming to Earth. I think it's right there, in a way. It's prime ready to, for a... A take on this character to be black and I, I believe even brian michael bendis when he created miles morales they were discussing spider-man and they were thinking how they were going to reboot spider-man and stuff like that and they basically came to the idea that had were it a different time back in the 60s when stan lee created spider-man they reckon stan lee probably would have created the kid black and then they were well let's just do that and then they made miles morales so you could definitely do the same here with this but like i said i want to see clark kent i think that would be a really interesting wrinkle to a story we've seen before but if they do that as well do they make everyone black do they make uh, black lois lane black lex luthor or is the story more compelling if you just change the one thing i think that actually creates again an interesting wrinkle because if he still lands in kansas and gets picked up by the kents and they're white that's an interesting story there. Do you know what I mean? Because it's one thing its one thing for two old people to find a baby and start passing it off as their, as their own. 
you know, at, at least if the kid matches their race, no one's really going to question it. But if they go, you know, hey, where'd you get that kid? And by the way, why doesn't the kid look like you? You know what I mean? That's an interesting take to the story we've sort of seen before. And I can't. The thing is, like, I, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of like to see that. But I've got a feeling the Warner Brothers are going to look at it and they're going to go, oh, it'll just be easier if we make the Kents also black so that we can avoid these questions. I don't think they're going to end up picking that. I, I personally think I agree with you. I think that would make it super interesting. That's what I mean. I think that makes it more interesting. Now, obviously, there's so much about this I can't actually say because I'm not a, a person of that race or that ethnicity. So, you know, I'd love to see what other people would like to say and get their opinions on this. So, like, I personally think as well an argument could be made for keeping Lois white. And my only argument for that is because TV and films still seem a little bit weird or scared to do interracial relationships. I don't know, it has improved recently, but I don't know, it just always seems to be a thing. Because, I mean, there are people who still have stigmas towards that sort of thing. Like, they see a black person and a white person together and, like, they'll be all funny about it. Like, but there's, there's nothing wrong with it. And, like, like I said, I feel like films and TV are sometimes a bit too scared to do it. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, so I, I'd kind of like to see that. Equally, again, if they made Lois Black, fine, yeah, that's, that's no problem whatsoever. The big question though does come with 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 Lex Luthor, because obviously, if you make him white, then there's some very obvious symbolism and stuff going on there. So then, how do you do you like adapt that into the story? Do you maybe make Luthor a racist, or do you play it a lot more subtly than that, and maybe like leave that aspect out of it? But if you think about it, Luthor's kind of racist towards Superman anyway in the comics because he doesn't like the fact he's... A, in fact, he hates the fact he's an alien. Yeah, well, he's... he's um, what's the... what's the Xenophobic, isn't it, the term? Yeah, that yeah, that would be the term. And that would definitely apply properly here. Because yeah, he, he does absolutely loathe the fact that Superman is adored by all these people, but he's not human because Lex Luthor's... Just, Lex Luthor's just a prick. I mean, he's constantly just bragging about, like, oh yeah, I could cure cancer, but um, I'm so busy trying to take down Superman. And it's like, you, you, you see how that's bad, right? You, you, you're saying you can <laughs> cure cancer, but you're too busy taking down someone that everyone considers to be a hero. So yeah, I think, uh, I, again, just like, I think you have raised a good point, which I haven't really considered till now. It's just like, yeah, make a black Superman. The supporting cast... Yeah, depending on how you cast those, you could get some interesting stories out of that, some interesting plot points. So it'd be interesting to see how they play it, actually. Especially, like, living in rural Kansas. Now, obviously, I don't want to put a blanket over a whole state, you know what I mean? But, you know, the, the, it has a reputation of, of you know, of, of certain individuals and, and certain ways of thinking in, in rural America that maybe a person of color will find challenging. Do you know what I mean? So... I think there's a lot of interesting stories to be told there. If you think about it, it makes Superman even more of a hero if he's gone through his whole life having to deal with the fact that he is literally different because he's an alien and he's got all these powers, but also if he's had to deal with racism on the regular or even just, like, occasionally. And then if he still ends up becoming the Superman we all know and love who's just got this, like, just love and hope for humanity and thinks, like, that... 
you know, humanity has, has got so much potential. I think that makes him more heroic if he's been through all this shit, but he's still seeing the best in everyone and still wanting to do the best for everyone. I think that's personally quite compelling in, in a way that maybe a white Superman wouldn't quite capture, if you get me. Hmm. It's Yeah, it's just a different side and a different way of looking at things. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm like, like we said up top, I'm pumped for Tanahasi Coates writing it. JJ, you know, I'm happy with JJ producing it because I think he's a phenomenal producer. Directing, I don't know. I've been hit or miss with some of his directing stuff. But as a producer, he's fantastic. Yeah, I find with his directing, he ends up falling at like the last hurdles quite often. His films would be set up really nicely. Like the first like two acts are usually like brilliant to watch and then the final third just kind of falters a bit quite often. Can't think of any recent examples that could apply to. <clears throat> hey, uh, yeah. Well, let's not go into that. Let's um, let's stay with DC because once again, DC, you know, with this sort of news of possibly a black Superman, DC are making big, bold moves. And the other bit of news is that DC is moving forward with their Blue Beetle movie that will be will have director Angel Manuel Soto, who is the director of Charm City Kings. This will be the first superhero movie with a Latino lead, as they will be focusing on the character Jaime Reyes, rather than the original Blue Beetle, Ted Cord. And I, I love this move from DC because, you know... Dan Garrett was the original Blue Beetle. S- sorry, that's my bad. But Ted Cord is normally the one that people sort of think of uh, as the main Blue Beetle. You know, but this is, you know, coming off the casting a Latina as Supergirl as well. This is really impressive from this is really, really impressive stuff from Warner Brothers and DC. And I think they're starting to realize now that they have so many characters under their belts that it makes no sense to just simply focus on making Batman, Superman or Wonder Woman movies. You know what I mean? You know, this Blue Beetle right here, Jaime Reyes, this Blue Beetle is a Blue Beetle for an entire generation now. I believe he was invented, created in 2006, 2007, around around that sort of yeah, time. Maybe he you came can... spinning out over after the events of Infinite Crisis, because obviously, prior to Infinite Crisis, Ted Cord was slightly shot in the head, a little bit, a little bit shot in the head, dead. It was very heartbreaking, and I'm still not over it. But yeah, then Jamie Reyes or Jaime Reyes picks up the mantle. But he's he's very different because like the thing with Ted Cord's Blue Beetle is that he didn't have much in common with the original Blue Beetle. Now the original Blue Beetle, Dan Gary, he basically got his powers from like this scarab that allowed him to be the Blue Beetle. He then passes away. Ted Cord, his friend, promises to keep up the mantle of Blue Beetle. But he doesn't have the scarabs. He doesn't have these mystical powers. He's just a tech genius, basically. I mean, he's same as Batman or like Tony Stark. He just owns a big like tech company and just uses that to fund his superhero adventures. Reyes comes in and he brings it right back full circle to the original mystical elements of the Blue Beetle. So again, he gets his powers from the Scarab. His outfit is just beautiful. Just, I love it. I love how it looks. It's really good. And if I recall correctly, uh, I'm sure it's like Green Lanterns do not like being around him, at least initially. There's like some, I just remember there being a story where I'm sure there was a Green Lantern when he's like first running around his Blue Beetle 
and it has a the, the ring has a really bad reaction in the presence of the scarab. I'm sure it's something like that, but it has been a while since I've read the start of Razor's run. But yeah, I agree with you. He has been the Blue Beetle for an entire generation now. Um, yeah, it would be going on 14, 15 years now. So it is nice. To, I, I, I think they have been kind of working on Blue Beetle in the pipeline for a while, I think, because I know Greg Belanti, who's obviously in charge of the CW Arrowverse, initially was like really wanting to do a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold movie. I mean, we all want that. We all do. <laughs> but yeah, it's obviously awesome, gone. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously it's gone through a lot of changes over the years. And I, yeah, I think it is really good that they bring in more Latino heroes. And yeah, the casting of Supergirl, also very exciting. It's just, it's nice to see, as you said, DC realizing we've actually got this wide range of really like diverse and amazing characters to choose from. So we don't need to keep doing Batman over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because I'm a bit sick of the Batman stuff now. i got to be honest with you, mate. Look, I'm a huge, huge Batman fan. You know, Batman's my favorite superhero. But even I will admit, like, come on, let's have something else here. And when they announce Blue Beetle and Jaime Reyes, I'm just like, yes, fucking, because this character has got so much potential. Like, and I think he just... Just in general, his character, his skill set, his suit and everything leans more into a new modern generation like it's more sci-fi you know i, I believe the scarab is uh, alien technology yeah i think in the modern incarnation it, it like i said it's gone through so many changes over the years like it, it is like alien technology but there's like a quasi mystical element to it much like the speed force you know the speed force is a scientific concept but it's also mystical in its nature because it's like we need to explain this speed force it's like oh how has this happened the scarab did it you know it's just <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's really cool shit, man. And, you know, just the, the elements of his suit, how, you know, they increase his strength, his speed, creating weapons, wings, all sorts of fucking great shit. You know, it just, it's so attuned to this generation, I feel. You know, he's been so popular on, like, the animated shows and movies as well, you know, with the Teen Titans. So I just think he's prime and ready for a big movie. And I think, you know, with all respect to Belanti and the CW, they make good content. But I feel as if Blue Beetle deserves a movie. I be I truly believe this guy deserves a lot of money to make this the coolest shit ever. And I be truly believe as well, Jaime Reyes, in a way, could it is almost like DC's version of Miles Morales. You know, this while he's not black, he is Latino. Miles is half Latino. He's this quippy kid on the streets, you know, just hanging out with his friends. But he's also very much like Peter Parker. He's a teenager that's just struggling with this power, this alien technology and wanting to do good and just wanting to be a kid and hang out with his friends. So you could, you could create a really good coming-of-age story with a Latino as the lead. I mean, come on. That's what we need right now. All right, then. So that's it for some DC news. Let's head over to the land of Marvel. First up, a little quick bit of news. Originally slated to come out in May... Loki now lands a prime summer release date. It will now be releasing on the 11th of June, 2021. Tom, where are your thoughts with this? Why do you think they moved it? I think it's quite simple. I think it's down to Star Wars and then releasing The Bad Batch in time for May the 4th. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. I would... 
Yeah, because even though I would possibly argue there's more hype for Loki than there is for the Bad Batch, uh, it is still a Star Wars product and a Marvel product, together, so it doesn't make sense to jam them all into one. It makes sense to separate them out. Because um, I kind of like the fact that Disney Plus have kind of been doing that. They've not been like dropping multiple new series at once. They're just going like, we've got a very clear release calendar, so basically you're just getting con new content each week. And when one series ends, another begins. I think that's kind of cool. And um, as you said, like giving Loki a primetime summer release, it just makes sense as well. So yeah, I, I think that, that that is definitely the decision making there. I think in the they're just hoping that they'll get more viewership in the summer, and also that it doesn't have to compete with Bad Batch or possibly overshadow Bad Batch, because I think that's maybe the worry. Is maybe one will end up overshadowing the other. Because like I said, even though Loki's probably got a bit more hype. Bad Batch still looks like pretty good, and I reckon I reckon it's going to surprise a lot of people. I, I I think I just feel sorry for Dee Bradley Baker, who's got to do so much work for that show. Poor guy. I was looking forward to seeing Loki come May because, as I said, I'm very hyped for it personally. It it looks like just the crazy show I've been I've been looking for. I mean, it's Loki with time travel, and Owen Wilson is there. I mean, Owen Wilson is there. Where's he been? He's been somewhere, and now he's here in a Marvel product. He's back. <laughs> wow. Like, wow. But, yeah, so I was, a little, I was a little disappointed when they moved it back to June, because I was like, great, now I've got to wait an extra month to watch it now. But uh, it will be worth the wait, I feel. Unlike WandaVision, like... Because WandaVision, obviously, even going into the show before it started, there was, like, a whole myriad of theories that I had, a whole cacophony of things where I was like, oh, what's going to be happening here? Like, is this character going to come in? With Loki, I feel like going into it that, I mean, I'm sure I will come up with theories as the series goes on, but right now I'm happy to just enjoy the ride. Like, I'm looking at the trailers and stuff. I'm not trying to figure shit out. I'm not trying to figure out, like, who the end boss is or what Loki needs to do or is he going to survive by the end of it. I'm just happy to go, it's Loki time traveling and Owen Wilson is there. I don't need anything else in my life. This, this is it. So yeah, I'm I'm just I'm so looking forward to that series. I'm also looking forward to the Bad Batch as well. So that'll be fun when that comes out. So I'm glad that they're not going to be competing because otherwise, like I would be just. I think I'd have too much content in May. Otherwise, I think then come June I'd just be like tired and just like no, I don't want any more. Don't give me any more series. Oh, there was another six Star Wars series. No. <laughs> You and me both, brother. Yeah, I think it's it's strategic, this move. It's uh, I think it's... But I was just thought about it as you were talking. I think it's both for the Bad Batch because while you're right, there's not going to be as many people into the Bad Batch as they are going to be going into Loki, it doesn't matter. If you log into your Disney Plus on Friday morning and you see right there in the banner, the Bad Batch, rather than Loki, you're going to go, oh, there's nothing else to watch apart from the Bad Batch this morning, you know what I mean? So let's watch that and get hinked, hooked into that show. And at the time of May, it's still slated to release on 7th of May, I believe, and that is Black Widow. Okay, so they also want attention on the Black Widow film if it was to come out in May. It's still... I don't know. Over in America, anyway, it seems like they are starting to open back up. You know, you the main two places, obviously, Hollywood focuses on is New York and California, and they are now starting to open back up with their cinemas. So I think it looks like that date is going to be cemented. That's happening. Whether or not we see it over here in the UK at that time remains to be seen. 
so yeah, I think there's good. There's a there's some elements of that. And in regards to the show, yeah, man, I'm super excited for this show. When this show was first announced, I was I did have a theory. I was like, it wasn't sort of much of a theory. It was sort of like my own pitch if I was to do a Loki show. And I was like, I think it would be really cool because he's got the time stone. Uh, sorry, the space stone. Space stone. stone. Uh, space stone. Yep that he could travel and he's part of, you know, and they did sort of mention he's going to be traveling through time. And I was like, oh, cool. This would be really cool if you had like an anthology series of Loki basically traveling through our history and manipulating our history to what we see it as it is today. Do you know what I mean? Like whispering in the ears of tyrants and, you know, causing mischief. Uh, and I also thought, wouldn't it be really cool if, I, th- I can't remember who did it, but it was the film that was a story about... um Bob Dylan, where many different characters uh, of different races and genders got to play the character of Bob Dylan. Remember, Kate Blanchett um, got to play the character. And I was thinking, that's a really cool concept for Loki because he is a mischievous guy. He would be a shapeshifter in a way. So to see him maybe being different people of race, different gender and stuff for like that would be cool. But it doesn't look like we're getting that. But all, all in all, looking at the trailer that we got the Investor Day, it looks wacky, time travel, Loki. The imagery looks great. Owen Wilson's in this. I was like, "Fuck yeah, man! Let's go for this." And I'm, I'm also kind of looking like you. I'm like, I'm looking at this. I enjoying this as a sort of standalone thing. It may have implications for the future MCU, but I don't have the same thought process going into this as I did with WandaVision. because Marvel was very heavy on the promotion, saying this is the first thing of phase four this is going to set up where we're going while with loki they've sort of been like yeah this is a cool adventure with loki traveling through time so i'm sort of looking at it with less world building expectations if you know what i mean yeah no i'm completely with you there yeah i i I'm not, i think it, it was just marvel with kind of like well we kind of want to keep tom hiddleston around but we just kind of we kind of killed loki uh, we even, Many times. We even, had, we even had Thanos <laughs> look to the camera and just be like, no resurrections this time. Uh, <laughs> and and then the Avengers go and fuck time. So, yeah. It, it, it's it's going to be interesting because like, I, I genuinely thought Tom Hiddleston's Loki was maybe like, not so much like done forever because in comics no one is done forever. And as you say, like Loki is a shapeshifter so they could even have brought back Loki as someone else. Or even bring in female Loki. That was a thing. It, it, it is. I think it is just a case of initially Marvel were maybe going, all right, you know, we've had Tom Hiddleston as Loki in since like the start almost. So maybe it's time we bring that chapter to a close. And then as soon as they did it, they were like, ah, but wouldn't it be funny if he traveled through time and did some mischievous shit? And they were like, damn, we need to bring him back now somehow. I don't, I, I think I agree with you. It's not going to have like massive world building within it and I don't think it's gonna ha- I think it is gonna be mostly its own standalone thing but I wouldn't be shocked if there wasn't at least like if it was just like a line maybe something at the end something that teases Kang because obviously they're dealing with time travel and shit we know Kang is coming in Mania. I- I'm not saying I want Kang to first appear in Loki or like Loki sets up Kang appearing, but if, if there was maybe just like this time agency, surely they'd know about him. So surely they would be just like just a quick line. A reference or a name drop, yeah. yeah. So then you're just like, oh, 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 hang on. And then it'll set non comic book fans up for Kang's eventual arrival because then when Kang arrives, 
even though they haven't read the comics, they can be like, oh, well, the Time Agency were like a bit scared of him, so he's clearly a big deal character. Um, whereas if they just bring him in, then obviously they're going to have to try and flesh him out a bit more within the film for the audience. But yeah, I, like I said, though, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some reference to Khan, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they decided to just not mention him there. Whether we'll see more of this like time agency within the future of the MCU, I don't know. Uh, be interesting to see how it plays out. I think it might be one of those series where, like, um, depending on how popular it is or how much people love the concepts, I think Marvel are maybe waiting to see the reaction before they'll commit to saying, like, oh yeah, we'll see more of this time agency, or Loki will continue coming back in some form or another. So, yeah, just roll on June, basically. Exciting stuff. Now, let's head over to the world of Spidey in a very cute and funny way. The cast of Spider-Man, now titled No Way Home, were dropping fake titles throughout social media, keeping everyone guessing before they finally released the title on the whiteboard that everyone on the internet analyzed, overanalyzed, saw hexes, saw references everywhere. Uh, but yes, we finally have a name now of the Spider-Man 3 film, No Way Home. Tom, what's your thoughts on this name and what do you think this name could mean? Um, I think it means that one day Peter Parker is going to go too deep into the city and he's going to forget his wallet and he's not going to be able to catch the train home. And that'll be the film. He'll bump into Doctor Strange along the way. Doctor Strange will be like, oh yeah, if you take a, a right turning here, you'll get there. And that, that'll be the entire film. And that's the cameo. No, uh, in all seriousness, no. Um, it kind of does... Like, I got. I have to be careful when I'm saying shit like this because obviously WandaVision... But I feel like Multiverse is going to play into it somehow. Maybe he gets stuck in another dimension or another universe, hence the No Way Home title. And then his whole thing is like, like maybe he just somehow winds up in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man universe. Uh, and then, I don't know really, like, I don't know how they're going to play it because like, I know so many people want it to be a Spider-Verse film, but there's nothing concrete on that yet. Like, Sure, you've had like rumors or occasional Facebook posts saying like, "Oh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are definitely signing on for the film," but then you've got Tom Holland saying like, "No, they're not." But then you can't trust a word that boy says. We do have confirmation that Alfred Molina is in this. Yes, and Jamie Foxx. And Jamie Foxx, that is confirmed. Those yeah. Are so. So, and we also know as well, like Michael Keaton is showing up in Morbius. And we know that Doctor Strange also showing up. That's confirmed. He's showing up in this movie. So, like, I, th I feel like actually theorizing multiverse on this film is actually a safe bet. Um, especially as it's coming after Multiverse of Madness. Because of the title No Way Home, that does imply that PD's going to find himself stuck somewhere. Like, whether it's another dimension or another universe. Because otherwise... It's, it's just going to be like I said, he's lost his bus ticket and now he's going to have to walk home or something. <laughs> <laughs> that That's basically my, my view on it. Peter's going to get stuck in some universe. Doctor Strange is going to see that he's gotten stuck there and maybe try and help him get back. We're going to see some old favourites from previous Spider-Man films. I don't think we'll see Toby and or Andrew Garfield. I think it would be great if we do see them. I would love it, 
but I've got a funny feeling they're probably not going to be there. Or, but I, I think at the same time, if I was Marvel and I was going to get those two in the film, I would do literally everything possible to throw people off the scent and keep it as a huge surprise. So when Tom Holland's coming out and saying like, oh yeah, no, they're not signed on. <laughs> but then you know his history with the, like, they're not going to tell him. They're not going to tell, they're not going to even have them film scenes together. They'll just green screen them together because they're like, no, you'll tell everyone that Tobey Maguire is here. I just know you will, Tom. I think we just got to keep our expectations a bit lower because I don't want it to be, because we have set up here a potentially amazing film. I mean, just the fact Alfred Molina's coming back is enough to sell me on it. I don't want to then see afterwards if Toby and Andrew don't show up, people are saying this is a massive disappointment, this was so misleading, uh, this is a terrible film just because their theories were wrong. I think we all need to temper our expectations and also accept that if Toby Maguire does show up, maybe he's not Peter Parker, maybe he's Derek Arsel. Or John Penis. Yeah. John or Penis John might, Penis. Make an might make an appearance. Um, for more on that, tune into our WandaVision reviews. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Like, I think we really need to hold... Well, I think at this point, as fans, we're very much entitled to have all sorts of weird and crazy theories because we haven't seen anything at all related to the film. Madam Web, bring in Madam Web. <laughs> exactly. So at this point, you could say, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great if Madam Web showed? That would be, of course, that would be fucking amazing. However, we can all say that until we finally see the trailer or the first teaser, then we can at that point start to grasp what this movie is going to be. Then I think we can get a better idea of if these characters are actually going to show up or how much, or if they do, how much of a role are they going to play now if toby Maguire and andrew garfield are in this which i'm feeling more like you i don't think they're going to be in this but if they were to be in this i think it would be a very small quick cameo shot it was i don't think it's going to be any significant role if anything it would be closer to the brad pitt cameo in deadpool 2 <laughs> so andrew do you want a cup of coffee and appear in a film for an eighth of a second. <laughs> Honestly, I think if we do get multiple Spider-Men, my money is on that we'll have some other Spider-Man show up. Everyone will start freaking out, going, oh my God, is it Toby? Is it Andrew? It'll be Tom Holland playing Ben Riley, and it'll set up the clone saga for the rest of the MCU. I guarantee oh, no. this. Not the clone saga. Bring the clone saga. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, there's, there's defenders out there of the clone saga. <laughs> right, so uh, let's get on to our last bit, a li uh, little bit of news. It's not really a bit of news, it's more like a just general discussion. And that is, we didn't get an episode of One Division last Friday because it just felt weird. Did, did you feel weird waking up and not having a new episode of One Division to dive into? But we did get assembled the making of One Division. First of all, did you feel weird waking up and not having a new episode of One Division uh, to watch in the morning or in the evening on Friday? Uh, and also, what do you make of this making of documentary? It did feel very weird. I was I was kind of uh, 
going through the day, just going through my usual stuff, like, oh, I'm going to do some work and then, like, have some lunch, do some more work, but it's fine because then I can go and watch WandaVision. And then I realised, wait, no, WandaVision is, is, is over and I'm still not okay. So it, it was quite weird. Because, like, you know, we've gone from, like, having no Marvel at all to then just having weekly new Marvel and then nothing for a week. So it was it was very sad, very disturbing. But we got the making of... Which I did watch last night. Uh, it was it was it was cool. I I've always liked seeing like behind the scenes stuff. Anyway, like uh, when I used to have the Lord of the Rings on DVD, I honestly think I watched the behind the scenes more than I watched the film. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I I especially like enjoyed like what's the actor's name who plays Sam Gamgee? Uh, Sean Austin. Sean Austin, yeah. Uh, I also enjoyed... He did, like, a short film as a featurette on uh, one of the Lord of the Rings DVDs. It was, like, literally about five minutes long, but it was, like, really cool. So, so yeah, seeing, like, that they were releasing this and the fact they're going to be doing this, I think, for Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki as well, it is cool because, like, it's it's always interesting to see, like, how the films and that are made. But WandaVision especially, just because of how crazy it is and how kooky it is and all this, like, weird shit. So it was nice seeing... Um, just exactly how they put it all together. I don't know, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, similar to you, I'm a huge, huge fan of behind-the-scenes making-of stuff. Like, sometimes I even kind of prefer the making-ofs rather than the the TV show of the film themselves. I mean, I wouldn't probably go as far as saying that with Lord of the Rings because those films are, you know, those are my sort of favorite films. But the reason I'm a creative person, the reason I wanted to get into film, TV, and creative stuff in general was because of those making of I just poured over them as a kid so much. Like, probably like you, watched them way more than the films themselves. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved this. I thought, you know, hearing from all the different creators and the cast, like, their dedication and their love for these characters and the story that was telling was just so heartwarming to see. Um, a particular shout-out to Tiona Paris. I didn't. I didn't think I could love this person even more, but I. So, I love this girl because the way she was just radiating this excitement and energy of playing this character, Monica Rambeau, and she tells the story of you know of auditioning for it and that she was overacting because she had to play it all kooky, and then that she was like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna play Monica Rambeau," and then she just had poured over like more comics and stuff to get familiar with this character. I was just like, man. She she loves it, and you could really feel the energy and passion for this character. And I'm just I'm just like yes, can't wait to see her carry on in this character in the future. Like oh, yeah, I hope so I much. hope we get way more of her in the future. Just because like I, I agree with you, she's an absolute delight, and just seeing her passion for the character, and like I I love anyone who gets cast in a comic book movie and immediately starts pouring into the comics because I'm just like yes, join the cult. Thank you. But yeah, I agree. Just like I, I because I, I think if you remember, I shared a video like a couple of weeks ago of just Tiona Paris dancing to Agatha all along whilst making breakfast. Yeah, um, I saw that. It's just like she, oh, she's just like such such a magnetic personality, basically. And like I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of her in the future. And I hope I hope she gets like more roles. Like honestly, like yeah, we'll see her in Captain Marvel too. Just make make her an Avenger. Make her one of the mainline Avengers, please. Because not only is she OPAF, that means overpowered as fuck for people who don't know the modern <laughs> vernacular. Uh, well, Get the, with the kids. That, that's the reason. 
That's the reason you have her in the Avengers, because she's overpowered. But yeah, I, I did enjoy the, the whole thing. I did enjoy when they, uh, when Olsen was just going to bed and he just like, do you want to talk about your butt? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about my butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just go, uh, and just, just seeing though, like some of the like images of Paul Bettany when he's in his vision guard, but it's just like his face is painted and like you don't <laughs> yeah. have any of the prosthetics on there. And it's just like, I saw that and I was like, ugh. Uh, just gave me bad like flashbacks to like uh, when Hulk pops his head. No, sorry, when Bruce pops his head out of the Hulkbuster in Infinity War. Oh just yeah. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> what is this horror? <laughs> I actually found that stuff really interesting because uh, when they were talking about you know making it in black and white, that the fact that they had to actually paint him blue to give off the effect that he was red in black and white. Because when they actually trialed him in red, when they when they transitioned it to black and white, it was like oh. It, doesn't actually look like red at all like and i was thought, oh that's so interesting and then they go in to say that back in the 50s and 60s because it was in black and white they actually used blue makeup and lipstick and stuff for that to give the effect of red and i was like whoa i never knew that that's so cool yeah i think i remember like hearing about that like before or something i'm sure it, was, it came up in some documentary i watched so it was nice to see that they kind of carried on the tradition there because, I mean, if it works, it works at the end of the day. But, yeah, it was it was just, like, uh, it was just wonderful seeing, like, oh, they seem to have so much fun making the film, the film, the series, and yeah, just very cleverly done, I think, for the most part. Um, and I also like to uh, say that the chemistry between Olsen and Bettany off-screen as well, like, you can totally see why they were on point in this series because they just look like the best of buddies as well. I don't, like like that um, scene you were talking about where they were talking about his butt and stuff like that. And then there's also this, uh, there's a part where Olsen is talking to the camera and saying, like, yeah, this is the first time Wanda's get to, be, get to be funny and I actually get to do some comedic stuff. And then she's like, I can be funny. And, and, and Paul Bettany's like, yes, you can, very funny, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they do have such guy. Well, to be honest, though, I feel like Paul Bettany is one of those people who is just like he's got chemistry with everyone. I, I feel like, I feel like if you if you and me met him, we we'd just be like best friends within like ten minutes. He just seems like such a fun guy. Elizabeth Olsen as well, like because I think I could tell watching the series that she was really enjoying the comedy the comedy stuff, like just just the way like especially in the. Um, was it the eighties one where they get sparky, and like she she comes in and sees like the boys washing something, and like she's just doing that pose, but she's just like, yeah, she just seemed to have a lot of fun with it, and well, they all did, to be honest. It was, it's probably slightly more interesting maybe than like the Falcon and Winter Soldier one will be, and the only reason I say this is because like Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be a lot more in line with what we've seen in the MCU so far, so any of the tricks or whatever they use to help make it is probably going to be stuff we've seen before when seeing behind the scenes for other Marvel products. But obviously WandaVision was just very interesting because of how the show was set up. And the fact that they did try and like, when they were doing the 50s, 60s stuff, like try and use a lot of these techniques that they did use in the 50s and 60s to give that proper feel. Like it, it was showing like they just proper respect to each era, basically. So yeah, I, I think it, it it was incredibly interesting to watch, but I do think that maybe like it'll be the most interesting one to watch until the Loki one comes out when we see the making of Loki. That'll probably be interesting as well. But like 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 I said, like not not to 
not a shit on Falcon and Winter Soldier, but it is very much going to be in line with what we've seen in the MCU before. It's not going to be anything like groundbreaking in a way, at least like action-wise or directing-wise, maybe like plot-wise or like whatever. We'll see some like groundbreaking stuff, but in terms of how they make it, it's not you know anything we haven't seen before. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the making of regardless because it is going to be focused on action and I'm a big fan of action and I'm a big advocate for stunt people and to see their work and to the stuff. And I've been saying for ages they should get an Oscar, you know, for best stunt work, but um, that's a different conversation. So I want to see how they do those action sequences as well. Like I'm really looking forward to that. But in terms of story and stuff like that, yeah, I would reckon not until Loki might get a bit like, oh, I wonder what their thought process was going through it here. And, and that's what I was so invested in WandaVision that what is making these people tick to make this show? I go back to what Paul Bettany said when he said, I got a call from Kevin Feige to come to the office. He's like, oh, this is it. This is me now. I'm getting the sack. <laughs> Vision's dead. I'm out here. And then he pitched in the show and he was like, oh, wow, that's, that's fucking crazy. So yeah. Uh, and then Catherine Hahn as well. Like she's just fantastic. Like, I always love it as well when I see it when I see an actor there's this there's a scene where she's on the wire and she's Agatha and uh, they say yep cut that's great and then she's like no 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 can we do one more one more I love it when an actor asks for that you know it's not the director or anyone saying we need to do another it's the actor saying no I can do it better let me try one more time do you know what I mean and it just shows her commitment to this character yeah no I agree and I, like, that, that's another reason why I hope like well, I mean, WandaVision did leave us like thinking that we will see Agatha again, and I hope that definitely is the case, because, yeah, Catherine Hahn seems to, like, really put a lot of, like, her soul into this, almost, like, she's, and I agree with you, like, whenever I do see behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's like an actor going, oh, can we do that again, and that was a bit, that was a bit iffy, like, and the director's there going, are you sure? Because I, I thought it was fine, like, I, I do like that, because, as you say, like, the actors know, no, I can do this better, and it just shows that they're not just settling for good enough. They want to do the best they can. So the fact that these actors were all bringing their A game to this is is great. And also, interesting tidbit, which I just thought of now, because I saw an article about this earlier. Um, apparently, Jack Shaftman didn't know Mephisto existed whilst he was writing the show. She. <laughs> she, sorry, my bad, my bad. When she was writing the show, which I find hilarious, the fact that we were all so set on... Oh, Mephisto's got to show up. Clearly he's got to show up or be referenced. She's there like, who? Who is this? Who is this character that you... Mephist? Mephist? What's that? Is that a band? Is that a sex move? What is this? Yeah, so I I just thought that was pretty fun. But yeah, just... It it was delightful seeing how the show was made and just seeing how much fun they had with it. Uh, It did kind of leave me sad to think, like, man, I wish I was like an actor or something so I could have this much fun. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I'll become an actor just so I can have fun now. <laughs> so, well, speaking of fun, you do do something for a li- for a fun, Tom, and that is reading comics. So, with the news out of the way, let's get into our weekly pull list. Well, after X Men hit at the box office, all the studios started buying up every comic property they could get their dirty little hands on. What have you got for us, Tom? Got a good week for comics coming up, and also as uh, this is really the start of our weekly runs, I'll also go back like a couple of weeks because there have been some big things in comics recently happening. So I'll start off with some of the polls we got coming out. So coming out, we've got the Captain America tribute, uh, the anniversary tribute. It's 
looking like it's going to be a stellar story. I think we've got Alex Ross on the covers because, you know, if you're doing an anniversary issue of anything, you get Alex Ross in. It's looking like every version of Cap is going to be involved in some capacity, whether it's going to be individual stories or it's like a big plot thing as a whole, where they all work together, I'm unclear on. But it's it's looking beautiful, and I'm definitely putting that at like the top of the list. If you love Captain America, then obviously you're going to want to pick this up. We've also got the last issue of Marvel coming out, and for those of you who may not be fully aware, this is a sequel to one of the greatest Marvel comics of all time called Marvels, which basically just, it told the story of the Marvel Universe from the perspective of just this normal, everyday man, this photographer, reporter, and he's seeing all the events of the Marvel Universe, all the big events happening, and telling it from a much more like personal direction. And it's beautiful. Again, Alex Ross on the artwork. You can't go wrong with Alex Ross. It's just beautiful heartwarming story must read for everyone and then carrying on with the marvel stuff we've also got iron fist heart of the dragon continues it's been a real and i i love iron fist comics um I, I i know i know the netflix series left a lot of bad taste in some people's mouths with the character i know some people dismiss him because of that show but his comics are always top tier and this one heart of the dragon has been amazing and just lastly, for Marvel, King in Black continues. This series has been uh, ongoing for a little while. It's basically, if you know Venom, you know he's created by, well, he's basically a symbiote. The god of the symbiotes is trying to take over the universe, and so we're seeing a continuation in that across numerous series. I think the Spider-Man tie-in issue comes out this week, so definitely continue checking that out. Hopping on over to DC then, a couple of big things have happened in DC recently. We have Future State come to an end and Infinite Frontier begin. Infinite Frontier is the perfect start um, if you want to get into DC Comics because this is literally meant as a jumping on point. The continuity in DC has completely changed now so that everything is canon but nothing is canon. Basically whatever you want to be canon is canon. So then isn't really a better time to jump on those DC Comics. We've got all the Infinite Frontier stuff coming out and it's setting up a very interesting future for DC. On top of that, we also have Batman vs. Ra's al Ghul continuing. This has been some work by Neil Adams. It's it's been it's been a wild ride. Anytime there's a Batman and Ra's al Ghul comic, I'm always on top of that because their rivalry is one of the best in comics. Like I know you got your Batman vs. Joker, your Batman vs. Two Face, but no, Batman vs. Ra's al Ghul is where it is at. So definitely pick that up. And also we had the end of an era at DC at the same time of, as the start of the Infinite Frontier. Grant Morrison has decided that they are going to be finishing with DC. They've released the final issue of their Green Lantern run. And also, finally as well, might I add, have brought out Volume 3 of Wonder Woman Earth 1. These are Grant Morrison's final works with DC. For the time being, at least, he may eventually come back. I think he will. He, sorry, I think they will. They love the characters too much. Um, I just think that they've, at the moment, they just want to focus on other things. So we got Green Lantern, we got Wonder Woman Earth 1, and also we've got the start of their new project over at Boom Studios, Proctor Valley Roads. It's uh, the beginning of a new partnership between Boom Studios and ABC. Um, ABC are looking to commission comics written specifically to later be adapted into TV shows. And Proctor Valley Road by Grant Morrison is the first of this new project. So 
it's going to be interesting to see. It's obviously going to be written in minds that it's going to be a TV show probably at some point. So it's going to be it's going to have a different feel to most comics. But it's Grant Morrison. It's horror. It's going to be good. So definitely need to check that out. And I think that brings me to the end of my poll list. Unless there's something on your notes that you have that I forgot. I don't think there is. No, that is pretty much the end of it. I mean, all great picks there. I... Haven't been reading weeklies for a while. I just felt it's all been quite consuming and overwhelming. So, but with your sort of analysis on Infinite Frontier, I might jump back, jump back in on a couple of titles. Yeah, with DC as well, they're trying to do a slow build up with Infinite Frontier. So, like, they're not releasing too many books at the moment. So, like, that is why I say now's a great time because there's not as much being shoved in your face. So, if you're just following the Infinite Frontier stuff, you'll pick it up quite nicely then, and I think it won't be too overwhelming. I'll definitely have a look at that. And uh, yeah, I've also really been enjoying Batman versus Ra's al Ghul. Um, I just love when Neil Adams does Batman, especially this take, because it just is so like homaging his take on Batman during the 70s. And like you, I love Ra's al Ghul as one of Batman's... I wouldn't go as far as to say a villain. I would say an antagonist. Uh, because there's so much grey to Ra's al Ghul that I think he's, that's what makes him such a fascinating character. So yeah, uh, but the others, I haven't been reading Marvel for a, for a while, but uh might check out the Captain America anniversary tribute just because I love Cap so much. But yeah, all, gr- all really good picks. I mean, if people want to check them out, definitely go to your local comic book store if they're open and it's safe to do so. You know, your comic book stores need you now more than ever. And in fact, most comic book stores, even if they're not open, they might have an online service. They might have uh, gift cards where you can donate money and get a gift card and then use it when they're open again. So there's plenty of ways of you being able to get your comics and also help out these local comic book stores. And also just to say that I will be posting my poll list on Twitter as well so that... uh if you come to the end of this podcast and you're like, oh, I can't be asked to rewind because I forgot one of the comics he mentioned, you can just go to my Twitter and it'll be there. I'm sure I'm going to end up gushing about the Captain America tributes in great detail over Twitter because I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that sounds like a big one. So that brings us to the end of the show. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode, this sort of new format and restructuring of Capes, Cows and Masks. Uh, it's great to have Tom on board in the team. We appreciate everyone coming on board every, every week, listening to us speculate, discuss, uh, and geek out. But if you know, if you want to continue the conversation with us and be able to see Tom's pull list, where would you be able to do that, Tom? Well, you go to my Twitter, at Gapperboy, so that's G-A-P-P-E-R-B-O-I. And yeah, I'll be posting my comic poll lists there. I'll also be checking in the occasional recommendation for some older series. Uh, I made the recommendation for a Scarlet Witch series uh, whilst WandaVision was going on. So I'm probably going to chuck up that Cable um, comic I mentioned as a recommendation because I definitely think people need to check that out. I mean, it's just so balls to the wall insane. Everyone needs to read it. And it's quite self-contained as well. So you don't need... You don't necessarily need like a huge understanding of what's going on in Marvel Comics at the time this was out because it's very it's very much its own thing and it's just good fun. So I'll definitely post that to my Twitter later. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake and I'm also on Letterboxd where you can get all my hot take film reviews and that's at Jake Hart, H-A-R-T. 
As for the show, you can find and follow us on Twitter at Capes, Cows and Masks. And we are on Facebook at also Capes, Cows and Masks. And whether you use Anchor, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, subscribe and follow us on there. And if you're on Apple, leave us a rating and a review as it all helps us go up in the rankings. But the best thing you can do is recommend and show us to all your geeky friends. And let's expand the family of Capes, Cows and Masks. But for now, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe, everyone. Goodbye now.